Chapter 12, page 217. By the time we get to the conference meet, which is held at Frost High School in Spokane this year, all of us are pretty much assured of lettering if the Athletic Council doesn't do a recall vote. Simmet said it would be close it would be close anyway. A couple of girls coaches would vote our way and several votes are up in the air. Anyway, it will be the last meet for everyone but me, and we've tapered off our workouts so times are dropping like rocks. Actually, I'm the only one who came close to not making it. In the second to the last dual meet, I almost missed my turn in the 50, had to haul serious ass to get back, and in fact, bettered my time by only a hundredth of a second. Coach isn't going to swim anyone but me in that event at conference because it's too easy to miss a turn or get off the block slow and wreck your chances. And my time already qualifies me for states. By now, the coaches in the other sports are behind me 100%, Benson included, because if I pull out a couple of top three finishes in the sprints and even as low as sixth in the 200, will have serious pointage toward the all-sport championship. And the school who gets that has major bragging rights. Cutter has never won it because we've always been big in major sports, but have fallen down in sports like gymnastics, soccer, and cross country. And of course, we've never had a swim team before. On Friday morning, the student body gathers on the school lawn, complete with cheerleaders lined up to the steps like the Rockettes as Iko brings the bus around. And though no one is going to watch us swim, they cheer as if we're the football team. Ma is on the bus already, having stopped Iko as he came through the parking lot. Chris stands totally amazed, waving at the crowd, while Jackie simply watches, not embarrassed, not anything that I can see. I see Tayroy tap Kristen on the shoulder before coming down to join us. And as we stand there ready to board, I elbow him. Kristen Sweetwater, huh? He looks embarrassed, but keeps smiling. That would be so sweet. She's cool, I whisper. But what are you going to do? What are you going to tell your girls in Birmingham and Evanston? Dan Hull is so busy calculating the times that he should hit, he is oblivious to the celebration. Barbara and some of the football guys stand together to one side, only a few of them clap or cheer because he has convinced them that this whole thing is a ploy to diminish their standings as nobility at Cotter High School. The jock wars continue. Carly moves quickly through the crowd to my side. You sure you don't want me to come see this? She asks. You've never missed one of my games. I'll tell you again what I tell my parents. On the boredom scale, watching a swim meet is one step below watching mold grow. Come see me at Hoop Fest. She says, come see me at Hoop Fest. And I say, will do. The bleachers at the conference pool at Frost are packed. Swimming is a much bigger thing among schools with a swimming history. There's only one guy in our conference who can challenge me in the sprints when I'm at my best, and that's Scott Wakefield from Frost. He's within a tenth of me in the 50 and two tenths in the 100. A couple of guys have slightly better times than mine in the 200. The big sprinters are on the coast around Tacoma and Seattle. 
The 50s at state would look like a six-way dead heat if it weren't for the electric touch pads. But over here, Wakefield and I should blow the field away. I'm gaining a bit of celebrity on our side of the state, partly because of the number of black swimmers any of them have seen, and partly because it's by now well known that our training facility looks like. The Spokane and Wenatchee coaches have already approached me to swim on their summer teams. They think I could actually make the Olympic trials down the road with proper training, but I'm pretty sure that this will be my last season in the water. Spring is around the corner, and I'm antsy to resume honing my basketball skills for Hoopfest. I believe there are no black swimmers in the Swimming Hall of Fame because swimming is no damn fun. We are not prepared for Chris's response to the crowds. He's been gathering confidence every time he touches the wall and sees his time is faster than the last, which, by the way, speaks to his ability to learn because he knows the second he sees it. The swimmers on the other team know his story now and always cheer him on. This kid hits times that would win fourth place in the 11-12 age group of a beginner meet. And every time he finishes, the crowd erupts. He has taken to blowing kisses towards the cheers. He and Mott are entered in the 500 freestyle, and the entire team from Moses Lake chants his name as he steps onto the block. He turns and waves, smiling wide and basking in the glow as the starting gun fires. The crowd screams, go, which confuses him, and he watches in bewilderment as the field pulls away. Jackie has the presence of mind to run over and push him in, which should technically disqualify Chris. But the judges give us leeway, and once he hits the water, instinct takes over and his arms rotate like propellers. Adrenaline alone puts him back on pace for his best time at the 150 yards. And when he sees his time at the finish, he squeals. His opponents have passed the word not to get out of the water before any of our guys finish. And though it's only a preliminary, they all duck under their lane ropes to congratulate him. Something about the entire experience makes me like these guys a lot. The rest of the meet is uneventful. I lose the 50 by a hair, but I didn't get the best start, so I'm not worried. I win the 100 by almost a half a body length. I finished third in the, two, finished third in the 200, and we climb onto the bus in the late Saturday afternoon darkness with the best meat of our lives under our belts. We get our traditional pizza to go and soon we're on the highway having entered our merman's cocoon for what we believe is the last time. The school won't fund any of the other guys to go along with Simmet and me to States. We get mileage for Simmet's Humvee, a double room at the Motel 6, and a per diem of 15 bucks a day each. The football team stayed at the Doubletree. As we roll over the bare roads through the cold, clear night, Simmet stands next to Iko facing us, holding tight to the bar by the door. He says, Guys, I've been with some good teams in my time. My AAU team took 15 swimmers to nationals when I was 16, and several of us made it to the NAIA finals my junior and senior years in college. But I have never had an athletic experience like this one. I've never swum on or coached a team where not one swimmer backed off on even one repeat. I know there's been controversy over whether or not you guys should let her, but most of that controversy is being caused by guys who couldn't carry your jocks if you had any. 
There is not an athlete at Cutter who has more right to wear the blue and gold than the guys on this bus. Fucking A, Mott says from the back of the bus. Fucking A, Coach says right back at him. Fucking A, Chris Coughlin says, and then covers his mouth. (laughs) Mott waits a few minutes, and then he sneaks up into the seat behind me. You gonna go over there and make us look good, hotshot, he says. I'll do my best. The muscle man says we gotta swim relays against you for the next couple of weeks, is that right? Oh, you guys don't have to do that. You kept me going all this time. It would be shitty to make you stretch out another two weeks when you don't even get to swim. Tayroy says, no, man, this is a team. Our season lasts as long as one of us is still alive. Yeah, but look at it this way, Mott says. We get two more weeks free membership at the all-night fitness. Yeah, but Simmons says, it's done. TJ, shut up. And I do. It's quite a few more miles, and in a low voice, Mott says, How come you guys never asked me about my gangrene? Same reason we didn't ask you about your leg in the first place, Tayroy says. Geez, Mott, don't you know your reputation? I'm granting serial, serial killer's dispensation, Mott says. Chris says, You got a green gang? What's that? Fuck, Mott says. We've got to keep this team together just to keep that boy out of an institution. He says it low enough that Chris doesn't hear. Somebody tell him what gangrene is. It's rot, Dan says, pure and simple. This is the last meet of the year and the boy genius finally utters a one-syllable word all on his own. So we sit through a few more seconds of silence. Even when Mott feels like talking, he does it at his own pace. Do you guys know a guy named Rance Haskins? Everyone knows Rance Haskins. About four years ago, he killed an 18-month-old infant by squeezing his stomach because he had peed his pants. The Department of Social and Health Services took a lot of heat because the mother's relatives had lined up with complaints that he was dangerous, warning that they couldn't get the baby's mother away from him. Rance got three years for involuntary manslaughter, was out in a year and a half, then blinded a second child by shaking her. The mother of the blinded baby wouldn't testify against him, so he ended up back in the slammer for a parole violation because he wasn't supposed to be around children. The guy did in two kids and was out of prison in three years and a month, free and clear. Rance Haskins is a famous guy. The Spokane newspaper does a story on him every once in a while. I don't know him, I say, but I know who he is. Well, before he was famous, he was my mom's boyfriend. I'm not going to like this story. My old lady, my mom, didn't have any excuses. She didn't take drugs. She didn't drink. Hell, she wouldn't even take an aspirin. But Rance Haskins made her dance at the Deja Vu strip club in Spokane for extra cash. She looked pretty good for somebody who took as much shit as she did. She'd want me to work with her, but the bosses wouldn't allow it. And Rance wouldn't let her use her own damn money to put me in a daycare 
when he considered himself a perfectly good babysitter. Man, if you want to pass up purgatory and go straight to hell, you want to enroll in Rance Haskins Daycare. Soon as my mom would take off for work, he would tie my leg to the pipe under the kitchen sink. He'd give me a big old aluminum bowl to pee in and take off with his buddies or invite them over for a little drug fest. He got so messed up this one time he passed out and his friends hauled him off to the emergency room. My old lady just happened to go home from deja vu with some guy to pick up some extra cash. I had been there for almost 24 hours. I guess I kept trying to get away, but old Rance was a real boy scout and the knot just got tighter. By the time my mom found me, my foot was discolored all the way up my calf. Gangrene had set in, and in the end, they had to whack that baby off before it snuck up and got something really important. Chris Coughlin leans forward in his seat, his eyes glued to Mott's silhouette outlined in the side window, brothers in arms. Jesus, Mott. What did the doctor say when they saw your leg? See, Haskins is a smart cookie. He took me to his hometown doctor in Baxter Falls, little town, about 20 miles outside of nowhere. Made up some cock and bull story that the guy believed. Then we moved to Oregon for a couple of years. So when the people there saw me, I was already a one-legged kid. That's when he left her, came back up here, and got famous. Who else knows this? Me. And you guys. How come you never told anyone? He shrugs. Hell, I barely remember it. Don't know if I really do. Rance is gone. My leg's gone. Who do you tell? I'm goddamn fast on crutches. My mother blackmailed Rance into putting some hard-earned drug money into a trust fund so I could get this space-age leg as soon as I finish growing. No point in telling anyone now. I start to ask why he's telling us, but I know it's a gift. And you guys don't tell nobody either. You got it? Jeez, Mott, don't you want to get him? Guys like Rance Haskins, they've already been got, Mott says. Hell, he doesn't care if he spends the rest of his life in prison or Palm Springs. He's the same miserable son of a bitch, no matter where he is. Maybe, but Jesus, Mott, he got your leg. Mott brings his leg up on the seat and raises the leg of his sweatpants. Yeah, but look what he left me. This baby's bionic. Simmet and Ico are doing what they always do during these conversations, remaining invisible unless we invite them in. God, what must Coach be thinking? Here are these guys brought into his sphere of influence under the guise of a swim team that can't swim. For some of them, he and Iko are the only decent adults they've ever known. There's nothing he can do about the past for any of them. And now the only thing he can do about the present is stand up for them against the rest of the athletic council who want to rob them of their letter jackets. I'm proud of what we've accomplished. I felt tremendous relief today when Jackie Craig and Simon DeLong finished the 100-yard backstroke in their personal bests. 
because it meant that everyone had safely lettered that we had accomplished our goal, or at least my goal. I know the whole thing is only a symbolic gesture, but it's a hell of a gesture because it lets us stand up for ourselves in the language that is understood at this school. Part of me doesn't want it to end because it's so much more than what I had in mind in the beginning. And I don't know if what we got from it could ever be recreated.